Thank you for listening to Exoplanetary. We love making the show for you, but we rely on your support to continue. Please consider becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash exoplanetary. If you'd like to make a one-time donation, you can do that through PayPal at paypal.me slash exoplanetary. You can find links and more information at our website, exoplanetarymedia.com. Any amount helps, and we are truly grateful for your support. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash exoplanetary, Instagram at exoplanetary, and on Twitter at exoplanetarypod. Exoplanetary, the adventures of the spacefaring Wolverton family far in the future. Previously, on Exoplanetary, Alice Wolverton took an unusual job. She allowed her mind and personality to be copied and formed the operating system for a tiny spacecraft called the Traveler. A trio of these travelers were sent hundreds of light years away to another solar system with the intent to explore and discover alien worlds. During the journey, which spanned centuries, Alice's virtual clone grew close to Peter, another digital explorer. Their love affair blossomed during the long journey. Dorothy, another explorer, was missing, presumed destroyed, after her traveler was damaged during the launch. Now, having reached their destination, Alice and Peter must separate and begin their exploration of a new solar system, as yet untouched by humanity, in tonight's episode, The Spider's Song. you build your own body? It's something human beings do every day. If you give yourself a paper cut or nick yourself shaving, the human body scabs over the wound and repairs the damage. We're constantly replacing our parts, and I don't mean artificial organs. Over the course of seven years, we replace every cell in our bodies. Biologically speaking, it's second nature. But how would you do it with technology? My mind was sent to a planet orbiting another star concealed in a computer the size of a baseball. This shiny sphere, this traveler, impacted the planet and embedded itself 50 feet underground. My mind, in this sphere, rested while tiny tools did their sleepwalking work. I have no recollection of this, outside of faint dreamlike memories. These tools drilled, analyzed, printed parts, and assembled my new form, based on plans stored in my memory Aesthetics judged by my subconscious and the materials at hand. When it was all finished, I awoke in a large cave made of enormous crystals. There were shards and scraps of metal all around me. In addition to my body, the tools had fashioned a mirror of silvered glass and a large light. In the mirror, I recognized my face, where there had once been skin A smooth and glassy substance sparkled in the light. I was both familiar and unfamiliar. I was the person I remembered being on Earth, but my body was something new and fascinating. My chronometer told me that this transformation took 50 years from the day I landed. Some assembly required, you might say. 
The greatest concern expressed by Exoplanetary is that we must feel comfortable in our bodies. Inside, looking out, I simply felt alive, as I always remembered. I felt warm and, well, human. But I had to remember that my memories were those of a woman dead and gone hundreds of years ago. How much of that was a trick of the programming, and how much of that was the body itself, I couldn't tell you. My flesh, though it was made of tiny crystals, still had the elasticity of skin and muscle. The crystals were mixed with chemicals and contained within a durable skin, like plastic, only stronger and self-repairing. I was soft where I needed to be soft, and tough where I needed to be tough. The only unusual feeling was the realization that I wasn't wearing any clothing. My body, which resembled an idealized version of my old human form, was completely naked. It took me about a week to get accustomed to that, but with nobody there to see me, it didn't seem necessary to go to the trouble of finding a fig leaf. And I was millions of miles outside the shipping range for any clothing store. Besides, I looked good. Always be yourself, unless you can be a walking crystal sculpture of yourself. Then be that. That Garden of Eden week was fun. The surface was a jungle, and I was just taking it all in. On Ganymede, we had small indoor parks where we could take a look at a tree breathe a bit of unprocessed air, and, if we saved a week's pay, eat some fresh fruit. My new body didn't need to eat, but in training we were encouraged to do so anyway. It would help us feel normal and assist us with analysis. So the jungle was my buffet, and I tried out every strange leaf and fruit I could find. I climbed tree after tree. One thing that did feel odd was the strength of my new body. It was heavier, just as you'd imagine a body made of metal and rock to be, but I could clamber up and down trees all day. And these were no ordinary trees. There were trees as tall as mountains, some of them reaching so far into the sky that they only stopped when they were in danger of passing the clouds, and trunks half a kilometer in width. The atmosphere itself was slightly more oxygen-rich than what I would have been accustomed to in my old life. Human beings would be able to breathe here, but they would be feeling tipsy all the time. I had fun playing Tarzan up in the trees. On the whole, I would say that Planet Prancer is a good value for the interstellar traveler. Exoplanetary gave the planets very dry names in the briefings. Exo-1, Exo-2, and so on. When Peter and I were traveling to this solar system in the virtual reality world the company designed for us, we decided that we would devise our own code names for the planets. In our own solar system, we named all of our planets for the Roman gods, and the moons had their own special naming schemes, like how all the moons of Uranus are named for characters from Shakespeare or Alexander Pope. Peter and I came up with a number of very silly naming patterns, usually in bed with a bottle of wine. For whatever reason, the one that stuck was Santa's reindeer. 
It worked because there were eight planets orbiting this star, and it would help you remember the precession of their orbits. From Dasher, a scorched rock that was nearly as close to the star as Mercury to our own sun, to Blitzen, a gas giant orbited by at least 40 frozen and craggy moons. Dancer was the second closest to the sun and Peter's new home. Prancer was assigned to me. Dorothy, had she made it, would have found herself on planet Vixen. She would have made so many jokes about that name. Even though I know the real Dorothy had a nice, ordinary life back home. It's hard not to feel cheated out of her company out here in the back of beyond. Though had she made it, it's hard to say if Peter and I would have become so close. The eighth day exploring the surface brought two surprises. The first came while I was examining a stream for microorganisms. In my inner ear, I heard a special tone signifying that Peter was in communication range. Planets Dancer and Prancer had a small asteroid belt between them, one of three in this system, and they interfered with our signals. Sometimes the window lasted hours, sometimes only a few minutes. Alice! Alice! Peter! I, I, I can't believe we're actually talking again. How are you? Shiny. Shiny. Really? I landed in a cave full of crystals. How about you? Oh, oh, my my new body. You'll laugh. I won't. Honest. Uh, aluminum. <laughs> really? You promised. I promised. <laughs> I, and I also promise not to take you back for the deposit. Yeah, 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 please. Now, what's your planet like? I'm in a jungle. It's alive and wild with these trees. I'll try to send you some images. What about your planet? Uh, Planet Dancer is a dead world. I keep finding the remains of structures. Bits of of what might be technology. Things are so crazy here. Some sort of civilization lived here once. But I'm only starting to understand what these beings are really made of. Is that all we get? For now, for now it seems... I love you, Alice. I miss you terribly. I love you, Peter. Enjoy the jungle. Name your favorite fruit after me. That was only my first long-distance conversation with Peter. It was so short, and at the time, he seemed so far away. It came to me how profoundly alone I was in that moment. Billions of miles from the place I was born. Everyone I knew dead for hundreds of years. The man I loved a planet away. It gave me a better perspective. It made the distance and the barriers between us endurable. Wandering through a jungle on an alien planet, in a crystal body I'd built for myself, surely anything was possible. I learned that I was only standing at the edge of a massive jungle with a crush of foliage ahead of me. I walked, unafraid, into the green. It was no surprise that insects crept and flew in every direction, munching on leaves and burrowing up to the surface, just as I had only days before. 
No reptiles, no amphibians, and I was the only thing shaped like a mammal in the jungle. Still, my task was to learn about this world, so I made the choice to start by observing the handsomest creature I could find. I called it the origami bug. Like a large butterfly or moth at rest, it would flap its wings to reach a certain height and then fold those wings into a geometric shape that would allow it to glide through the air faster than any other bug I'd ever seen. I found an origami bug and stalked her for hours, noting her patterns and her appetite for a sort of moss that seemed to cover every tree. At midday, I watched in horror as she swooped directly into what appeared to be a fresh spider's web. It was sad for the origami bug, but rescuing her seemed impossible without destroying both the fragile web and the equally delicate bug. She sat there, impassively, as if her fate mattered nothing to her. More grist for nature's unstoppable mill. I knew, though, that a web like this indicated a predator, and the end of one life would give me another to observe. I sat quietly in the tree and awaited the trapper. I was startled to alertness with the most unlikely noise I could imagine. Was that singing? In the evenings, when it was pitch dark except for unfamiliar constellations and two strange moons, I would sing into the night as I familiarized myself with my new body. For a moment, mad as it was, I wondered if I was singing to myself or if there was something out there other than me listening. I dug my fingers into the bark of the tree I perched in. My new skin was a body-shaped sack containing a crystalline slurry, a solution that could deflect light when given the right electrical charge, so I was effectively invisible to all visible spectrums of light. To humans, that is. The web was large. Could the creature that made it possibly see me? Or smell me? Would it attack me? How big was this thing? Why did I agree to do this? Billions of miles from home and having a panic attack in a tree. The singing continued and became clearer with each moment. I didn't spot her until she was practically on top of the web. She was an arachnid of some sort, with eight legs, each of them five feet long, and a tubular body in the center. Her six eyes and sharp teeth were a nightmare. She moved nothing like the spiders that lived in the ventilation ducts on Ganymede. Each leg moved independently, as if she were a giant hand overpopulated with fingers. Four of the legs did the work of climbing the tree, while two were curled and wrapped in her own silk, making a cat's cradle that she strummed and rubbed with the other two legs. She was accompanying her own singing with an instrument made out of webs. 
I was too fascinated to be frightened. The strange singing continued as the spider gently removed the origami bug from the web and wrapped her up with new strands. She stopped singing long enough to speak a few gentle words to her prey. The moment this happened, I felt what I thought were goose pimples ripple across my skin, but it turned out to be a keypad rising out of my flesh near my wrist. The spider's words triggered my translation protocol. In my ear, I heard a voice say, To translate to standard English, select one. To continue in the native language, select two. I pressed the one on my forearm, and the keypad went away. I knew from training that this translation would take a long time, but would move faster the more examples of the language I observed. As unpleasant as I found the spider, the fact that she spoke and sang indicated that she was intelligent life and, consequently, one of my primary mission objectives. I followed her stealthily from web to web as she collected dozens, maybe hundreds, of insects in her freshly spun silk bag. I stayed invisible well into the morning as she reached her tribe. <laughs> Was it a camp or a village? In a tall cluster of trees, hundreds of feet in the air, hung dozens of huts made of wood and spider silk. Smaller spiders skittered from hut to hut. Adult spiders, some larger than the singer I discovered, ambled to and fro. I settled in for a fascinating week of learning about a culture untouched by anything I knew or remembered. This turned out to be both fascinating and horrifying at the same time. It quickly became clear that my human perspective affected my understanding of what I was witnessing. First mistake? Assuming that the smaller spiders I saw when entering the village were children. Early the second morning, peering into one of the tiny huts, I caught a smaller spider and a larger spider playing mommy and daddy games. The smaller spiders were males, and the larger spiders, like the first one I witnessed, were females. I felt like a peeping tom, even though it had taken me several minutes to understand what I was seeing. My fascination turned to revulsion when the female completed the congress by raising the male to her face and biting his head off. She spun webs around her partner, mummifying him as I might wrap a half-eaten sandwich for later. I began to have second thoughts about this so-called intelligent species if cannibalism was still an accepted part of their society.
In spite of this brutality, the spider tribe seemed incredibly organized. What I gleaned from my observations in those early days was very impressive. Each spider spent the day doing some sort of work for the tribe, whether it was gathering insects from the webs or perfecting shelter from the elements. Using stone tools, they would carve caverns into the trees in which they would make homes, store food, and play music. Every member of the tribe played music, without exception, and they often sang and played all through the day. Music only stopped when the village was asleep. I thought about growing up in our highly controlled environment on Ganymede. They said that they would terraform the moon someday, and we'd be able to go outside and breathe and live as we were meant to. But promises were just wasted breath on Ganymede. We were only poor workers, and the one way to get out was to have some corporation take notice of your talent and hire you. The life of the spider tribe was unusual to me, but there was so much about it that seemed ideal, idyllic to me. following the singer around. Based on her behavior and how the other spiders treated her, I thought she might be the equivalent of a young woman. For many weeks, she gathered prey from the webs, singing the whole way. One day, after a conversation with another spider, she went a different route, high up in the trees. My translation software was starting to give me drips and dabs of the language. I could tell that she was being given a new job, but the only other word I understood was... Stars. After a long climb, we reached a landing where an old spider was weaving the largest web I'd yet encountered. It was less like a web and more like a nest with leaves and sticks and other things I didn't recognize woven into it. The singer followed the old woman's instructions, spinning silk to patch worn parts of the web and put new materials into place. I wondered, what was this web being built to catch? The old woman spider would call after her apprentice and upbraid her for the slightest deviation from her design, so whatever it was must have been important. I watched them for a week. All the while, my sophistication with the language became sharper as the old spider dictated to the apprentice, but most of the words I was learning seemed to be spidery curses. One evening, the old spider seemed satisfied and told the singer to stay with her rather than venturing back to the village. Something seemed to be coming an event that required the cover of darkness. Night arrived and one of Planet Prancer's moons was full, an oversized asteroid that was probably drawn into orbit millions of years before. The other moon was waning. I grew up with Jupiter dominating the sky, so this pale rock seemed less than foreboding. But I could tell that my two arachnid friends were feeling energized by the engorged satellite. 
maybe it was like on old Earth, when the full moon supposedly inspired acts of lunacy. Either way, they chanted and sang as the moon came into view and strolled across the night sky. And suddenly, they became silent. So quiet, staring with the twelve eyes between them at their web. The old spider had indicated earlier that day that, yes, this web was meant to catch something. Was this some sort of religious ceremony? Or mad quest to catch the moon? And then it happened. The moonlight shone through the web and its strange and seemingly nonsensical collection of jungle bits. The light shone through and produced what I immediately recognized as a map of the Milky Way galaxy, as observed from Planet Prancer. This web was like a planetarium, using the moonlight to create a replica of the night sky. The old spider was no huntress or madwoman. She was an astronomer. This final bit of context in my mind... I found myself able to understand the missing pieces of language as the old astronomer exclaimed to her student, You see, girl, we have captured the moon, and it has shown us the way to the stars. I see. But what is the purpose of this? The purpose, girl, is to mark what we have learned from the heavens. There was a time... When our records were more complete and sophisticated, the purpose is to pass what we have learned from one generation to the next and regain what we have lost. I thought the old times were only a legend. As they spoke, I couldn't help getting closer to the web and the light show. It was an amazing accomplishment, something I could never imagine having the patience and memory to put together even in my current form. I marveled at it for some time before I noticed that the spiders had stopped speaking. I turned slowly, and as their red and unblinking eyes gaped in my direction, I understood that they could see me. My charged crystal slurry only deflected light. It didn't make me transparent, so... As I stood in front of the only visible light, they saw my shape eclipse their model of the night sky. I clambered up the tree and as far away as I could, I could hear them. We have an intruder. It is the goddess. It's no goddess. No, the goddess comes to us from the night sky. It's no goddess. It's something far stranger. And perhaps far less friendly than the goddess. climbed as high as I could manage and hid my face in my hands. I couldn't believe how stupid and careless I'd been. All those conversations about not interfering with indigenous people who wouldn't understand a visitor from another planet, much less one shaped like a human being. I felt after all this time and all these good intentions that I had somehow let them down. I surprised myself by actually crying. 
I felt so stupid. What made it worse was that Peter happened to call at that very moment that I was being an inconsolable mess. I spent an hour explaining the situation to him as he listened patiently and looked at the images I'd recorded. Oh, Alice. You, you can't be upset at yourself. I'm pretty sure I can, Peter. Alice, you're on an adventure unlike anything anyone could have truly prepared you for. You're facing situations and circumstances that nobody could have fully imagined. How... I mean... There is no right way, no wrong way of doing any of this. There is the situation, as it is happening, and nothing else. Your expectations, your fears, you're entitled to those, I suppose, but you still have to pick yourself up and deal with the reality. Those spiders know that you're there now. I'm not sure what my next move is. Whatever it is, Alice, it's up to you. I'm not in a position to help you over here. But you're smart, and you're capable, and I believe in your ability to figure out the right thing to do and make the best of the situation. I wish I could really believe that. Oh, come on, Alice. You know it's true. All you need to do is think. Think about the situation. I've only just started to understand their language. I'll have to go over my old recordings, see if I can learn more about their culture that way. Yes. Peter? Yes, yes. Peter, the young one. She called me a goddess. How badly have I messed things up here? No, no, stop thinking in those terms. Listen, the old astronomer didn't seem too ready to worship you, and her, her word probably counts for a bit more around there. Whatever they think you are, they're probably more frightened about you and what you mean to their way of life than anything else. Just think of how a culture from our past might have reacted if an alien had just showed up. I am. One did. His name was Cortez. You know what I meant. I did, Peter. I'm sorry. I'm just scared. Alice, the only thing I can give you that may be of help is this. Now, think of that webbed planetarium. Now, those are intelligent creatures, beings with thoughts and, and feelings like your own. Now, they have a language, a culture, even a technology. And, and after listening to what you've had to say and the stuff you've sent over... Well, maybe they have a history. I'm sure they have a history. Yes, yes, on planet Prancer. But while you've been over there, I've been over here on planet Dancer, shuffling through ruins and old technology. And your information confirms a hypothesis I came to earlier this week, that the civilization that once lived here were beings with eight appendages. What? How? How is that possible? Uh, I don't know, but for whatever reason... They may have started on Planet Dancer and wound up there on Planet Prancer, somehow. Imagine what it would be like if a bunch of humans landed on a jungle world but lost all of their technology. I see. So, that web, it could be a remainder of their old knowledge, and that astronomer, she's like an eight-legged Leonardo da Vinci just waiting for the Renaissance to happen? <laughs> yeah, well, possibly. You won't know until you talk to her. Peter... I'm glad I have you around, having a little perspective. Let's just say that it's hard to stay grounded up here in the trees. Oh, oh I, I miss you terribly. I, I just, I so love you, Alice. I love you too. I loved Peter more than anything. It made me think how bad it would be to be out here, totally alone, with nobody to even look forward to talk to. As I climbed back down to the spider silk planetarium, I wondered if I was making a horrible mistake, or if this was somehow my destiny. 
that Alice Wolverton was fated to start the first conversation with an alien species. I remembered my fears about being another Columbus or Cortez, and then I remembered Armstrong and Aldrin, representing a single country, but bearing the dreams of the entire planet on their shoulders. I went through the vocabulary I'd assembled, and once I reached the astronomer's perch, I made myself visible to her and said, My name is Alice Wolverton. I come from a species from another solar system in this galaxy, and I traveled tens of thousands of years to be here. My people call themselves human beings, and I come in peace on their behalf. Your accent could use some work. I'm new in these parts. The child, or new, she ran back to the village to tell them what she saw. Some will believe you're a goddess. I know better. Our goddess would have eight legs, don't you think? I didn't mean to make my presence known. I intended only to observe. But if you'll allow me to stay, I believe we have a great deal to talk about. Mm. I would welcome this, Alice Wolverton. But I fear our lives are to be complicated forevermore. This is the burden of living in the path of history. I promise you, I'll do what I can to avoid being disruptive. <laughs> For someone so old, you'd think you'd know when the damage was already done. But, come, a village full of questions will greet you in the morning. I am nowhere near your age, but I expect we both need our sleep. And so, my life with the spider people of Planet Prancer began. At first, I doubted whether I did the right thing or not, but Peter was right. There was no way to put the cork back on this particular bottle. So my obligation was to make the best of this strange new adventure. You have been listening to Exoplanetary, the spider song, written by C. Christopher Hart. Directed by Melissa Schenter. Performed by... Furiel Elliott as Alice Wolverton. Rob Bacours as Peter. Winnie Hugh as Ornu. Stephanie Leet as Mahra. Sound effects by Danger Marshall. This play, the characters, situations, and associated intellectual property, copyright 2015 and 2017 by C. Christopher Hart. All rights reserved. Recorded in the Bigfoot Podcasting Studio, located at Ned Space in sunny Portland, Oregon. Produced by C. Christopher Hart. Original music provided by Jacob Jansen. And musical direction by Melissa Schenter. I'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons, Justin Olson, Christy Smith, Sherry Goldstein, Dennis McGrandall, 
Darcy Hogan, Late Night Poems, Malik Shabazz, Drew Anderson, Andrew McDonald, and Kate Boys. If you'd like to join them and make a monthly donation to Exoplanetary, find us at patreon.com slash exoplanetary. We thank you for your support.